Welcome to Inside Aesthetics, the podcast for cosmetic, wellness, and business insider knowledge. I'm Dr. Jake Sloan, a cosmetic doctor based in Sydney, and I'm joined by my co-host and good friend, David Segal, an entrepreneur and a multi-clinic owner in the aesthetic space. We'll cover any topic that makes you look or feel good with long form, unbiased, and unfiltered conversations with expert guests from around the world. New episodes are released every Friday and you can subscribe for free on your favorite podcast app, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You should seek medical advice before undergoing any treatment or procedure, and these podcasts do not replace a professional and bespoke consultation. Welcome to 2022, buddy. What's been happening? Uh, COVID <laughs> and uh, mayhem around the country. Mm-hmm. And you've had mayhem with your clinics. Yeah, well, all of the... Um, Isolation rules, making life challenging for clients, patients, clients, yeah. patients. Uh, <laughs> we'll get onto that later. Yeah, we, we might have to do another episode on this, guys. We, we had a WhatsApp heated debate about the difference between a client and a patient. And actually, it's, it's, it's actually, well, for me, very important. And I think for non-medics, it's harder to understand the distinction. So yeah. we'll do another podcast on yeah, that one. Yeah, definitely some interesting stuff to uncover there and talk about, I think. Yeah, how was, um, uh, well... What did you do since we finished in late December? Had a couple of weeks just to relax, got to the beach, spent some time with my partner, um, hang out with my family. It's never really possible to completely shut down because the businesses really only are closed for certain public holidays, but they're trading like seven days a week, Mm. 360 something days a year. So there's not (laughs) many days that we get to close. So even though you try and shut off to a degree, you've still got issues that crop up on a daily basis, like moving clients because someone has to isolate or some clients. Clients or patients? Patients, clients. <laughs> we call them clients. There we go. We'll Cli- do, we'll- joking aside, oh, we'll save it for the other podcast. Well, so uh, like Mauricio pl- DeMaio did come up with the, with the name client. There you go. Because it's a mix. It is a mixed, uh, <laughs> it's yeah. a mixed thing, isn't it? It's yeah. a transaction, but you're still a patient. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting one. Um, but yeah, so, so having to reschedule people, people getting the shits because they've already had to wait for so long and then moving them again. I get some people a little bit difficult, but most, most people, most normal people are pretty understanding that this is just the, the life that we have at the moment. This is the reality of, of working in 2022. And especially when you've got sort of, you know, you're facing the public, like you're dealing with, with consumers. Yeah. Um, rather than sort of business to business, it's sort of business to consumer. So it it definitely has its challenges and, you know, just constantly reshuffling the calendar and trying to fit people in and dealing with all of the personalities that come along with those sorts of challenges. But um, (laughs) yeah, I mean, what do you do? Everyone's in the same boat. Yeah. It's been similar for you. Well, look, just to finish, I guess, you know, for our listeners who may be you know, in other countries, I guess for the first time, Australia has suddenly now completely forgotten being a COVID zero society. And we're now well into the tens of thousands of cases per day per state. Probably even more. Oh, we're we're closer to a hundred thousand for the country per day. Well, what have we got? 23 million people. So what's that every 10 days? That's a million. Oh, so proportion, if you compare us to say a country like the UK, we are way worse in terms of numbers because we've got a smaller population, yet we're still getting high, high cases. So I guess, you know, the the business challenges and and the health challenges, it's all quite new for Australia. Mm -hmm. Whereas other countries, this is kind of old hat, I think. They've just dealt with this for quite a while. And then, you know, over Christmas, yes, um, I got covid 
we think from my wife because she felt a bit sick a few days before. Mm-hmm. Then my daughter got it. But, you know, we were all recovered pretty quickly. We weren't sort of bad. It was just kind of annoying. Mm. Um, and I guess, you know, with all the logistical problems of not being able to access a PCR test because of all the... <laughs> dramas that we've had in Australia with that I won't bore everyone about you know that but basically it was hard to get tested because yeah. it was just so busy yeah. and at the same time they closed down three quarters of the testing stations for Christmas yeah. so it's just like the, the a perfect storm to, to create a clusterfuck as you call it yeah well it's you know it's, and it's easy to become frustrated you know we pay like one of the highest tax nations in the world and you go Where's all this money going? What are, mm. like what are you guys? Well, look, you guys I think um, they were basically. It, it wasn't a planned thing. They were caught by Omicron. Omicron came sort of early December, or, yeah. or or even a bit later than that. And everything that had been planned to sort of wind down because we were doing so good in inverted commas just fucked up basically. Yeah, but they knew. I mean, this is the way that viruses work. And again, not a doctor. This is just from what I've read and, and talking to doctors. Is that viruses tend to become more contagious but theoretically less, less fatal, less dangerous as yeah. they sort of in their quest to survive and, and become more, you know, more widespread. So, um, and I think Australia is like an, an island continent. So we get a bit of a heads up yeah. on what's going on. So, you know, this whole, I understand the first time around we got caught, but like the second time around, I have a little bit of difficulty. It's um, third time really, isn't third it? Third time understanding how our leaders weren't more prepared and had things in place. Like, you know, they're worried about, hospitals being overrun well has there been any more of, of those built during the last two years to sort of see that ca- capture all these people and i don't know the answer to that question <laughs> yeah. but i mean you, you hear stories of china being able to build a hospital in a day yeah um and obviously they've got an enormous workforce and people just have to do what they're told oh, so look, it's, it's a funny. different place you know david and i often argue about sort of authority authoritarian type scenarios yeah. and and you know <laughs> Being in a democratic sort of society, does it make it harder or easier to do things? Yeah, you can build a hospital in 10 days if you just yeah. tell people you're doing it. Yeah, and that seems to be the biggest concern <laughs> at the moment is that, you know, people who, you know, even though it might not be as fatal, the fact that people are going to be rushing to hospitals and our services are going to be overrun. So, yeah. you know, like where was where was all the, you know, what's yeah, happening? Yeah, look, it, it does seem a, a little one. bit um, crazy that even, you know, it's Christmas. Well, that doesn't stop a virus. No. So it's mad that a lot of these things were stood down. But anyway, we were all fine. We recovered. It was more just the isolating rules that, Mm -hmm. well, created a lack of a Christmas for for me and my family. So we literally didn't go out. Um, Yeah, and then I was really looking forward to Christmas. I was exhausted from, you know, the post-lockdown madness. Yeah. And uh, didn't get to socialise, didn't see you, didn't see anyone, didn't go out for dinner, didn't go to the beach, did nothing. Yeah. So you know, personal frustrations, but ultimately we're fine. Yeah. It's strange, isn't it? We were closed down and locked at home for nearly four months, open for a couple of months. And by the time we got to Christmas, everyone was already I think everyone again. was mentally yeah. just So it's exhausted. more of a mental thing. Yeah. 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 hundred percent. Um, yeah. And then back to work, it's kind of been weird because, you know, we're now in the situation where we're open, Yeah. but you know, tens of thousands of people are either isolating or sick and, uh, you know, we're kind of in this, it feels like a half lockdown. It's, it's, it's quiet, but there's people out. It's like a self-imposed lockdown. Yeah. And, you know, and, and, and maybe that's the way forward. I mean, I'm pretty sure you were saying, you know, you weren't really for lockdowns when we were locked down. Mm-hmm. So how do you feel now we're in this sort of open society? Um, but Yeah. It wasn't that I was against lockdowns. I was just looking at the situation at a, at a macro level and, and 
trying to get an understanding of all the implications, you know, not just health, but economic and what does, you know, severe economic pressure look like in the long term for people's mental health, their businesses, their mm. financial survival, you know, paying mortgages, keep paying school fees, all these sorts of things. So I tend to try and look at things at a higher level, yeah. um, you know, without sort of wanting to diminish the seriousness of the situation at all, just trying to look at all the social impacts and, yeah, definitely have some concerns and I, I don't know I mean these are unprecedented times and we're at with this with this I mean I think at the moment everyone's of the opinion or, or hoping that once we reach the peak of um, people having Omicron that things will sort of start to return to normal hopefully if you know you can't get reinfected we've said that two or yeah. three times now yeah. by the way yes and and you've just said well we get variants so who knows what the next variant yeah. is well exactly well hopefully it'd be even less yeah. Unless there's some like super one, someone eats something else and, you know. <laughs> yeah, look, let's hope the trajectory is, yes. is downwards. Although, you know, we did see that from alpha to delta, it was worse, not better. Was it? Yeah. I mean, it was, I, I don't know about prevalence, but certainly it was more significant illness. Yeah. So, look, who knows? We, we can only... <laughs> Go we'll day by day, we'll see what happens, and see what happens. So yeah, so you've had staff challenges because oh, yeah. of course you're open. Yep, you've got your four clinics are open, three in Canberra, one in Sydney. Yep, you've got about eighty staff normally uh, across <laughs> all four sites. Quite a lot of people. Yeah. And how many? No, joking aside, how many per day are, are, are either COVID positive or close contact or anything oh, like that? I mean, between the four of them, there's at least something every other day with yeah. something or someone. Mm. Um, even if they don't have to end up taking the time off, it, there's question marks. Oh, I need to go and get a test. You know, so that it's just a constant disruption, even if it's not people actually taking time off work. It's just the constant, you know, opening up your calendar each day and, you know, nine o'clock rolls around and waiting for you know, sure phone what's calls are going to happen, who's going to not be able to make it in, if you're yeah. going to have a whole day of cl you know clients, patients that are going to cancel or reschedule because of, of so on, and then you've got staff standing there twiddling their thumbs. Yeah. It's very difficult to plan because it's just every day is a new adventure. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, and it's the same from my perspective, and I think I threw up a story the other day, about two or three out of ten yeah. are, are cancelling or, or, or moving their appointment because they're you know affected by COVID in some way. So... You know, I'll take that. It's just 70% income rather than 100%, yeah. but I'm, I'm not in a lockdown. I'm not yeah. at home frustrated. I'm doing what I love and, and we're doing things as safe as we can, I guess. So yeah. I don't know. For me, it's a happy medium, it, it, but it does feel, like you said, you, you turn up at nine o'clock and you have no idea what's going to happen until that person either comes or doesn't come. Yeah. Even though, of course, we asked them to call before and let us know that that's been a slight challenge where people have sort of used, I'm not saying that they're not ill, but they've, they've sort of used an excuse to just not be polite and actually yeah. tell us. <laughs> people being impolite. Yeah. yeah it's our uh, oh, look. I get it. Some people, you know, if you're really sick, of course, I don't expect you to be on the phone to us, but most people are mild. Yeah. And yet they just sort of don't show up or tell us. And then yeah. three days later they say, oh, I didn't come because I had COVID. Can I have an appointment tomorrow? And it unfortunately doesn't work that way. Yeah. I think um, one of the things that's been beneficial for me through this whole thing is learning to accept I can't control everything. Correct. And just going, well, what, is what, it is. what are you going to do? Um, I can't control certain, you know, things that are happening or, you know, events that are taking place or something that pops up in the news cycle that day that just completely <laughs> can change consumer sentiment or what yeah. people want to do with their day. You can just, you just have to be comfortable that you're on a roller coaster that you don't know when it's going to end. As long as you've got your seatbelt <laughs> like, on, you know, it's like not going to fall it's, off. It's like big, there's a, there's a, um, there's a roller coaster in Disneyland in, in America called Space Mountain. 
Yeah, I've been on that You've years been ago. And you just sort of, you don't know where you're going. And it feels- it, <laughs> You go in the dark tunnel. It's like we're on COVID mountain. We don't know. We're just <laughs> flying in through space. We don't know what turn's going to come next. Are we going to be upside down tomorrow? Yeah. That's what it kind of feels like. So it's just being comfortable with being out of control. A yeah, little bit, I have I to agree with that, yeah. Especially during the actual lockdown. I was like, do you know what? Yeah. It is what it is. Yeah. So anyway. Yeah. Let's move on to <laughs> what- 2022 has in store for the podcast. I know we kind of touched on this over Christmas, but I just want to recap on a couple of points. And then actually the main topic, if you're zoning out and bored of this already, <laughs> is actually Dave and I are going to talk about what treatments we've had done and why. God, That's yeah. actually the main focus of this episode. Yeah. yeah. Where do you start? <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. It's going to be like a, a body dysmorphia confessions yeah. <laughs> podcast. <laughs> yeah. Well, we all suffer for the, with a little bit of it, I think, in this industry to, to a certain extent. Oh, yeah. Look, we, we shouldn't joke about it, but it's kind of true if, if, if you you know we're going to do this if we sit down and, and recap everything we've yeah. done it's going to sound like quite a lot of stuff yeah. I would guess but you know we're 40 year old guys and I started this when I was about 27 there's 13 yeah. years of treatments to talk about so yeah. you know it's, it's going to be an I interesting I started even younger than that <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> so let's just recap on some of the points uh, just coming for the podcast. So we're obviously going to be continuing with uh, the Injector Diaries um, kind of mini series, if you like. That's been really popular. Yeah. Um, if you haven't come across those episodes already, uh, in each of these episodes, we'll choose an injector from around the world at any skill level. So they could be completely new, you know, working for five years or, or 20 years plus and consider themselves a sort of master injector. And we delve into, you know, their business, why they got into it, how they trained what their favourite products, techniques, and, and a bit about their business, how they run things. Yeah. And it gives us an opportunity to, to sort of showcase different people from around the world and what they're doing. It's not just about, you know, who's got the biggest Instagram following or, you know, who, you know, who's considered like a thought leader or, or KOL because everyone's got an interesting story to tell and, yeah. and come from different backgrounds and challenges that they've overcome or, you know, patient issues that, you know, the rest of the community could could benefit from from listening to. And we sort of touched on a couple of other ideas this morning during some of our banter back and forth, with, which <laughs> is never, never not entertaining. <laughs> yeah. um, and uh, and then I guess the, the other newer mini series we've started is the Treatments and Regions yeah. Uncovered. So we did the first one on tear troughs with Gavin Chan. That was really well received, actually. We had nice feedback and I think people felt like it was a little bit more relevant obviously for our injector uh, cohort of listeners. And we've just, uh, well, obviously last week we published one with Steve Weiner yep. where we did the, re and the rejuvenator. The rejuvenator. So, you know, <laughs> I think these, these episodes are going to be good because they'll get a little bit more into the deep nitty gritty of, of, of injecting. So if you guys have got any other specific areas of the face that you would like to sort of us to delve into, you know how to get hold of us, just DM us yep. on Instagram. Um, I think one good one that we, well, we're going to, try and plan would be upper face fillers that that's something Ooh. that's less done by injectors so temples foreheads and eyebrows mm -hmm. that's a kind of obviously a higher risk area but it can be high impact in the right patient yeah so if you can think of a good kol for that or someone who does that really well uh you know happy to take a suggestion we'll get them on i, I haven't i mean i haven't seen many practitioners doing fillers in the temple region for a very, not sorry, in the forehead region for, for a very long time. Mm. I had a friend of mine that has like a, a dent from an, an accident he had when he was a child and he's got like a little divot in his, in his head and he used to get that regularly filled. Yeah. And, and stuff like that. I mean, it can be done, but th for me, that's even higher risk where you're, where you're treating one it. area. Yeah. Filling a big void. 
Yeah, and, and a bigger void, exactly. So you're, you're tending to bolus, which is, anyway, we'll, yeah. we'll get into that when we do the when the, that episode. And another one we're planning, I don't want to give names away in case you know things change, but we're going to try and do a specific lip episode mm. uh, with two bigger names. Right. Uh, in fact, probably the biggest names. And, you know, they have very different styles. So that would be good to, it's not really a debate as such, but it'd be nice to get both of their feedback on, on how they approach a lip. Yeah, and I think especially for new injectors, because once you start to understand the anatomy and, you know, looking at areas that are high risk, you know, the lips are not without risk. They're a fairly high risk area for like yeah. occlusions, even though they tend not to be as, as serious generally as occlusions in other parts of the face. Yeah. And it's the treatment that tends to be almost a gateway drug to other treatments. So obviously your, your basic anti-wrinkle and then lips tend to be the first thing that new injectors are being asked to do. And it's Rightly not, or wrongly. And it's not simple. No. It's not simple at all. So, I mean, is are we doing it wrong? Is, is there a way that we can teach new injectors how to undertake these treatments in a, in a safer way or simple parameters that they can work within? Because it seems so... So complex. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, I, I know I sort of dangled last year that I'm, I'm sort of thinking about a training opportunity yeah. that I might offer next year or sorry, this year. And it's hard to know because, you know, at the end of the day, injectors want to be keen and learn everything. I know they do. They, they yeah. want to learn as much as they can and get their money's worth. But at the same time, you know, realistically, that's just, you know, not appropriate and we should start somewhere. Whatever is deemed safer, we should start there. But then it becomes a, a, a cost issue. And, and how many sessions are you going to do to learn? Yeah. yeah. So these things all need to be sort of mixed up and added together. But, you know, the market pressures are exactly like you said, people come and ask for lips. Yeah. So, especially younger patients. Yeah, oh, for sure. And, you know, I think as a general observation, the younger patients tend to not always appreciate the risks associated with treatments in general. And I think because lips have become almost the poster child for cosmetic treatments. Yeah. You know, if you ask the average person in the street, you know, what they think, you know, cosmetic treatments or injectables that, you know, they'll, they'll automatically reference the lips. That's how they sort of walk past someone. Oh, you know, look at that. It, it's, it's, a it's very, just to become yeah. the stereotype of yep. everything we do rightly and wrongly. Correct. Yeah. Well, <laughs> the, 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 hopefully the right ones you don't notice. It's only the, it's only the over the top stuff that becomes Correct. apparent. So it, it, yeah, it's challenging. Yeah, definitely. Uh, another area that you actually came up with was body treatments yep. and, and, and neck we have done a neck episode before, but maybe we should delve into it in a bit more specific detail. Yeah. So I think neck on its own would be one episode. Mm -hmm. And then body another. We, we've, you know, apart from with Joseph Ajaka a long time ago where we spoke about lipo and a little bit about cool sculpting, mm -hmm. we haven't really gone into all of the solutions. Yeah. And also, you know, not just in relation to contouring about skin quality. Mm. Um, because, you know, we've mentioned this in other podcasts before, you know, we're so fixated on the face. Uh, but when you're looking at like hands and arms and, you know, other areas of the body that, that sort of age as well, yeah. you know, how do you sort of reconcile, you know, having some sort of consistency with the quality of your skin over yeah. the, you know, all of your body, not just your face, because, you know, to do fillers in the body carries its own risks. It's commercially not really um, a viable alternative. Then you've got things like lasers, which again, you know, we've had, you know, deep discussions with um, people like um, Davin up in Queensland um, around 
you have to be careful when you're treating the skin, the body, yeah. the skin on the body with lasers because it doesn't have the same healing properties and all sorts of bits and pieces. So what do you do? Because you don't want to have this amazingly, you know, well conditioned face and skin, then your body looks like it's, it's belong to a different person. Pretty much what most yeah it's people perfect. do, don't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then like you know, it looks like you're almost two different people. It's like someone's, you know, like it's like, you know, someone's like picked new, like he's like that, you know, like you're a picking, Lego picking on. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> so, and there are practitioners out there that are starting to delve into those treatments, you yeah. know, um, obviously, you know, skin needling, micro needling, um, things like sculpture, which have, you know, experienced almost like a rebirth. Yeah. Um, they're you know, they're launching some new treatment indications and protocols this yeah. year. Absolutely, so yeah. So that'd be interesting. There's also, I know it's not launched in Australia, but Profilo, yeah. which is a new uh, biostimulatory type fill. It's different to Sculptra. Yep. It's still an HA. Just, I think last week, they they released an indication for body treatments. Oh, really? So okay. for, you know, the, the post-pregnancy abdomen, wrinkles, um, elbows, knees, those yeah, kind right. of weird but very tricky yeah. situations. Yeah, well, you get people coming in asking for these treatments to be done with, um, tools that aren't really suitable for it. So you, yeah. you're sort of trying to use, you know, it's like trying to use a spanner to drill a hole, you know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's not really going to work and people are doing their best with the tools that they've got, but it seems only inevitable, it seems inevitable that that's where it's going to venture out to. It's not just the face. And then, you know, what's the cost going to look like and, you know, how good are the results going to be? And, and yeah. And often with those sorts of treatments, it's, it's a, a progressive two, three, four sessions. It's yeah. not going to be a, a one hit wonder, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, I mean, for me personally, I mean, I, I will get into this with treatments that we have done, but I, I regularly um, skin needle my body. Don't we know about it? Yeah. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> like I recognize that I'm not just aging in my face, I'm aging everywhere. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's not fun. But <laughs> Mr. Collagen. <laughs> we'll come on to that. Yeah, sure. Um, another good idea that you had just this morning was, uh, I, I like the title as well, Disasters and Solutions. Yeah. Well, I guess, you know, it's following on from the Injector Diaries, which is talking about people's journeys, why they got into the industry, what they do well, you know, what's gone wrong to a certain extent, but actually focusing on all the stuff that does go wrong, like mm. how have you dealt with like a severe vascular occlusion or just an irrational patient yeah. um, or a really bad aesthetic outcome? Because I think we learn more from the things that we do wrong than from the things that we do right. Definitely. And sometimes there can be funny anecdotes in there as well and, and sort of stories that um, people want to share. And, you know, again, like we're building this community so people can all learn from each other because I don't, certainly don't have – all of the answers, hardly any answers really. And, you know, you've got your understanding of things from your perspective and your clients and your mm. background. But, you know, there are certainly things that I think we can learn from each other. But interestingly, as, as the business owner, you're often the one who gets the email. Yeah. And you're often the one who gets the heat of the anger mm -hmm. and the financial discussion. Yeah. So, yeah, I think your insights will be great with, yeah. with that as well. Yeah, it's difficult, you know, because um, there's like no hard and fast rule for every situation it's sort of every every case has to be dealt with on its own merit and the personalities involved and what's the outcome that you're looking for and yeah yeah so i think it could be an interesting one and def definitely entertaining and it just be you know we always like to show off our best work and all the things that have gone well but let's share all the shit that's gone bad mm -hmm. and just have some really open and honest raw conversations and, and try and learn from each other and i think that as human beings, we're, we're sort of more entertained by the bad than the good. I mean, you don't, oh, you don't, yeah. you don't have to look at the news. I mean, that's what, what, what sells more newspapers, you know, it's something that goes right or some disaster that's happened. We just, it's like we, we can't look away. 
Well, look, we had Paul Nassif from Botched on. Look how yeah. massive that yeah, show is go. because of the screw-ups yeah. and, and unusual things. It's an interesting psychology of human beings, isn't it? We like to, <laughs> you know, we sort of live like... Oh, look, it's yeah. the... Yeah. It's like why movies have, you know, murder so often because it's yeah. kind of like a thing you don't really see, but it's interesting. Yeah, it's like you could be like... <laughs> I heard this an interesting analogy. Um, I watch a lot of cage fighting just because I find it interesting, <laughs> right? And um, the the guy that's ahead of this organisation made an interesting point, which was that, you know, fighting and, you know, um, that type of... Um, Gladiators. You know, type of yeah, I mean, you could have like, you know, the Olympics... You know, you, you could be at the Olympic Games watching the men's 100-metre final mm. and if a fight breaks out two stalls down from you, guess what you're watching? <laughs> yeah. You've got no idea what Usain Bolt just did yeah, and yeah, you're yeah. watching these two hooligans beat each other up and it's just like, why is that? Why I, can't I guess we look away? Because it's the element of fear okay. a, a, and you, you don't want to be in that situation but you want to see what happens. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it's it? It's a weird, weird one. We're yeah. all the same. Yeah. Men, women, children. We like, <laughs> oh, I think it's male specific. I mean, I'm not you saying women so? wouldn't be interested in MMA, but I, I think- Oh, yeah, but I mean, just in terms of, you know, being uh, attracted to or drawn to, mm. you know, negative scenarios. Yeah. Like I said, look at the news feed. Oh, look, yeah. look what sells. Media know this. <laughs> they know that disaster and, and, and bad news stories are what sells. So that's what they're putting out there. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Um, one or two other th sort of focuses for, for this year are the toxin chats. Yes. So we're going to- um, look at at least the the three uh, licensed toxins here in Australia, but maybe we'll even look at one that's not licensed and, and, and get someone from, from abroad to talk about one of the newer ones or just one that's not available. Because this stuff's all interesting, right? It's all relevant. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, even in, you know, my businesses, the nurses will, you know, talk to me about the different toxins and you'd be surprised around some of the ideas and concepts that have been taught to them because I've only experienced one Way company's training. It. So, yeah. you know, without mentioning names, I think they're all guilty of it, to be honest with you, mm. where they'll, and that's normal, that's business, right? Where they'll talk about the key selling uh, features or the benefits of their product and yeah. how their product's better than everyone else's product. And here's the data that we've paid for. <laughs> and <laughs> do you know what I mean? And, and yeah. or the study that they've sponsored. Um, it, and, and fair enough, that's, that's the way it works. But I think that, um, reviewing all these things um, in detail and understanding the differences and saying, well, is it, one, is it that one's better than the other or is it just that you need to adjust your technique? Yeah, look, and whether we, I think what we'll do is we'll go into each toxin alone per episode just yeah. to get a key opinion leader of that toxin to say how they use it, why they use it, you know, how they're using it off-label, all of that good yeah. stuff. And then maybe we can bring some other key opinion leaders together to have a panel chat about those yeah. differences. Yeah, well, I mean... I would consider what you guys do as a hybrid between medicine and art. Mm. And if you're an artist, you don't just paint with one brush yeah. or one kind of paint, you know? And I think that, you know, I talk to practitioners all the time, doctors and nurses that use different things. They've got a cupboard full of various products from different companies yeah. and they've developed a, a comfort level with product A for this type of patient, for this yeah. type of indication and they'll mix and match. You know, oh, I, yeah. I know people that will use, you know, a toxin for one part of the face and they'll use another toxin for another part. Or yeah, that doing... fascinates me because I, I, I can't really fully understand that because, and I have used all of them, but yeah. why not get those people on to yeah. find out why they're doing it? And I think it's, it's, it's inevitable that this market is going to become more competitive. There are going to be more um, options, new technology. I mean, we've been in a fairly, I wouldn't call it monopoly, but 
pretty close to it. We've had a, a fairly limited um, offering yeah. in, in Australia, and I think that that's starting to change as more suppliers come into the marketplace. They go through the, you know, the TGA approval process, which takes some time. But I think that we are starting. I mean, I don't. Think, I think it's not long, but not long away until Tioxin release their own. Um, toxin into Australia. I I've think heard, it will be their own license one. Right. I don't think they developed right. it, but they okay. will license yeah. it. And whether they do that globally or just Australia, who knows? Yeah. The other thing, I mentioned this because just this morning we were talking on um, our sort of WhatsApp group and um, another brand are actually launching uh, a liquid so an already made up toxin. Mm. So that will, I don't know when it's coming, but they're, they're discussing it at IMCAS this year. So it's called Illusions. Nice and, easy to, nice and easy to pronounce. Illusions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's the, the world's first sort of ready-made-to-go liquid toxin. Right. But how would you – I guess that I'm immediately I'm asking questions like what if you want to adjust the dilution? Well, the only thing you can do is hyper-dilute, so make it yeah, more yeah. dilute, but you can't concentrate. concentrate yeah. The other thing – I don't want to get into sort of uh, – this is right really early, but some of the early users in Kuling, um, one of the – people we were talking to has used it and they said yeah. it's a bit stingy right so again you don't have the option of using bacteriostatic or normal saline because it's already made up yeah right but i don't know if that's why it's stingy mm. so interesting it, yeah it, it, it maybe you know if we can get someone on to talk about illusions that'd be awesome yeah um and in terms of timing like how far away did you say it was well they're discussing it openly at imcas uh, in a webinar actually in about a week mm-hmm and then I'm guessing in June in Paris, they may do a, a more formal launch of it. Yeah. You know, in front, I'm going to go. I'm going to go to Paris. Oh. I've decided. Yeah. It's a, it's a great event. I've been there a couple of times. Yeah. Long time ago. It's yeah. amazing. And you just realize how small we are here. Oh, yeah. When you go over there and there's literally like thousands, thousands of people <laughs> there and from different backgrounds. And it's such a big global community that you sort of because we're so small down here you yeah. sort of sometimes don't appreciate it but it, um oh look we do really good stuff here and i think yeah. that you know we've got some real big thought leaders here yeah. but you're right when you when you compare it to the rest of the world it's a small market here yeah and just the number of products they've got at their disposal um the number of practitioners um and i think what i found as well is this you know i went up and this is a long time ago i think the last time i was at imcast was around 2012 mm. and um just how friendly everyone was and how open they were with the information. There seems to be less of the tall poppy syndrome. Oh, imagine how it would be after not traveling in two years. People are going to be hugging strangers. All over each other. Yeah. <laughs> can so you, can you, we won't even talk about the cocktail parties that happen. Yeah. <laughs> and, the, and the after parties. And everything yeah, yeah, else. exactly. Um, and I guess the last thing that we are going to do this year is a bit of a, a look into some of the best clinics in the world yeah. and best could be sort of loosely sort of defined, I guess, whether it's big, uh, offering interesting treatments, seen as a, a leader in the field, just interesting clinics yeah. around the world that potentially we can delve more into their business model. Yeah. Well, you know, what software are they using? Um, what type of practitioners are they employing in their businesses? Are they doctors? Are they nurses? Is it a hybrid of both? Are they using specialists? Yeah. Marketing. Um, marketing. Branding. Yeah. Um, um, even the architecture. Like yes. I, I love looking at, you know, half of my Instagram feed is just architecture and looking at different houses that people are creating around the world. And like there's some beautiful clinics being made now yeah. that feel, you know, I think, well, I'm certainly seeing it in Australia, you know, moving away from that overly clinical feel to feeling more architecturally inspired, more boutique, like you're walking into like high-end yeah. sort of fashion type, uh, stalk type scenario. So then there's some 
beautiful stuff being built. So I'd just be interested to even just from that perspective, see what people are creating and the type of environment and, mm. and um, you know, atmosphere that they're able to create. Because it's really interesting when you start, you know, delving into that and understanding like patient, patient slash client slash consumer psychology around, you know, how people feel yeah. and what they're prepared to do or how comfortable they are or what money they're prepared to spend based on the environment in which they find themselves. Correct. Yeah, it's very, very interesting. Yeah. So again, guys, if you've got any ideas about amazing clinics that you've either worked at or visited or whatever, mm -hmm. let us know in the DMs on Instagram. Absolutely. So should we get into the actual topic of this episode? <laughs> We've shit on for half an hour now. We're good at doing that. Yeah. So <laughs> Aesthetic treatments. Well, yeah, God. what have we had done and why? God. So, you know, again, just to sort of call out, are we 41? Yes, yeah, 42, okay. so almost I said 40. 40 earlier. Yeah, 41. <laughs> okay, so Dave and I both have the same birthday. So yeah, we're both 41. We're both obviously in the industry and, and you know, David's probably been around it for, or deeper in it for longer than me. So I'm going to kick off with you. So yeah. let's start with skin. Let's start with simple stuff. Yeah. So when did you start seriously thinking about skin? Because, and, and, you know, joke, but it's true. Yeah. You're very um, heavily into collagen banking, looking after yourself, protection, yeah. anti-aging, all the rest of it. So when did you start? Probably in my mid-20s, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I worked in the, in the fitness industry for many years um, for a company called Fitness First in Australia. And, um, you know, so getting into that environment of looking after my body, exercising on a regular basis. And then that sort of created a, almost like a jumping off point um, for me to start looking at uh, cosmetic treatments. So when I got into the cosmetic industry, it was still really in its infancy here in mm. Australia. I'm like it was being done, like I certainly, it was being done before I came around, but it was very, there weren't that many providers. It was all very hush hush. Yeah. There wasn't any, not many, if any, um, nurse injectors at that point, there were very, very few. And I'm guessing at that point, you know, it was still seen as a little bit unmanly to do that kind of stuff. Yeah, for sure. Um, you didn't have many um, male clients at all. I mean, you had some, um, you know, some gay clients. Um, and I think that that was a bit of a, you know, that was interesting um, that just because of your sexual persuasion that somehow made it acceptable for you to care about how you looked as a man. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? it and, and it's not that way now at all, I would say, but... I it's depending on the age group. I think it depends on the age group. I think that younger people uh, are more open, but men and women, I think, more open to talking about the treatments they've been they're having done, being yeah. um, happy to talk about it, you know, walk into sort of high street clinics or shopping centre clinics and, and without the fear of, you know, judgment or, you know, someone questioning their sexuality or, you know, all these other sort of negative connotations that can come with, you know, a stereotypical, you know, heterosexual man undergoing yeah. cosmetic treatment. So I think we've definitely seen a shift to just acceptance that mm -hmm. it's not just for women. It's not just for people of a sexual, a certain um, sexual persuasion. It's for everybody. Mm. If, if you feel like you need it, then yeah. So what were the first things that you did with oh, your talk, skin? Oh, skin. Um, just becoming aware of sunscreen, I guess, to be, you know, I've got um, a history of skin cancer on one side of my family mm. um, and just the Australian climate and, you know, my skin type. Um, you know, I'm not, not super fair, but certainly not, you know, I don't think that people of Anglo-Saxon background, I'm, um, you know, I'm not like, I don't have like any African, you know, sort of genetics in me or you know, not, not, not recently anyway, in terms yeah. of, you know, if we go back far enough, I guess everyone does, but um, being in a climate like Australia, where I don't think 
you know, fair-skinned people are really designed to be in this climate. No. So especially here where we've got ozone, you know, ozone layer issues and mm. this beach culture outside, you know, everyone's sort of, you know, very body like conscious. perfect storm for skin Yeah, cancer. correct. So for me, the, the first thing was um, understanding sunscreen yeah. um, and that, that's the cheapest um, thing that you can do. Um, but, you know, when you're young, it, it's sort of difficult to sort of see the value in it because it's not like you see anything different. You're sort of it's trying like to- telling you, you to stop smoking, but yeah. if you're 20, you, you're not thinking about cancer. Well, also you haven't seen, you know, you don't, haven't seen the, the effects of, of sun damage yet yeah. because when you're young, you're indestructible, right? Nothing, nothing can hurt you. You're never going to die. <laughs> um, you're just going to bounce back and look young and great forever. So for me, that was the first thing was um, under, understanding the importance of, of sun protection I mean, I used to surf almost every day. I, you know, rarely wear sunscreen when I was really young. You know, there's that age between where you're at the peach with your parents and your mum's putting rash suits on you and putting zinc everywhere. <laughs> and but then you reach that age where you know you're going to the beach on your own with your friends and you know and your parents aren't there to look out for your your sun protection. Yeah. And you go through that stage, you know, probably in your you know early to late teens and early twenties, where you just sort of doing whatever you want without parental supervision. And that's when I think a lot of bad habits can form. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And then from there, when I started working at um, Cosmos with, uh, with Joe Ajaka, um, I had my first Botox treatment and um, that was because it was free. He needed a model. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. Yes. I'm going to go back to skincare. What yes. do you do now? Oh, do you have like a little yeah, routine? Yeah, I keep my skincare pretty simple, to be honest with you. Sunscreen um, almost every day, particularly on my body if I'm going out to the beach or I'm going to be outdoors a lot. Um, so sunscreen um, almost every day, depending mm -hmm. on the weather and what I'm doing. What one do you like using? Uh, God, I use a, a physical sunscreen for my face, so a zinc mm -hmm. uh, with, a, with a zinc base. Um, I just find that putting zinc all over my body is just, you're there forever. Yeah. Trying to rub it in is a nightmare. You look like a you ghost. You look like a clown. Yeah, it, it's really difficult. Um, so I think the one I'm using at the moment is called Naked Sundays. Okay. It's one my girlfriend gave to me. She said it's really good. She liked it. So I've been using that for my face. And then for my body, I tend to use like a chemical a chemical sunscreen just because it's easier yeah. um, to spread on. And I think I'm using one at the moment called Ultraviolet, mm -hmm. which is which seems quite good. Um, but yeah, so generally generally a physical a physical blocker with zinc for my face and a, and a chemical for my body. Um, you know, just that, you know, I, on a daily basis, it's, you know, hand, the areas of the body that get exposed to the sun the most. So face, neck, my head as well, because I shave my head. So mm -hmm. that's something that, you know, a lot of people don't recognize that you know, they put sunscreen on their face, but you know, <laughs> if you've got an area of your head that's balding or you, you've got a shaved head, then you know, you're obviously getting a lot of UV damage to your head. I mean, it's the most exposed area of your body Yeah. Um, and hands, arms. Um, what about um, sort of uh, prior to the, the sun cream going on? What, are you using any serums? Yeah, so cleansing? I, use, I, only, I don't cleanse, to be honest with you. you disgusting man. <laughs> well, I just, yeah, um, I don't, to be honest with you. I, I keep, uh, the only things that I use, I mean, at the moment I'm using um, La Roche-Posay. Mm -hmm. um, so I use a, uh, at night I use like a, a retinol, I think B5 combination serum. Mm -hmm. Generally do that every second or third day. If I use it every day, I tend to get a bit flaky and, and photosensitive. Yeah. Um, so you do that at night, every second or third night. Um, if I'm not, I'm just using a basic all over moisturizer. I, I use a lot of urea as well. 
mm. which is in- interesting because it moisturizes and helps with exfoliation. Yeah, I was going to say it's a, a, a mild acid. Yeah. So it's going to exfoliate. But it also moisturizes as well. So um, I don't know the name of the book. I can go and get it actually if you want. Um, and then I'm using in, in the mornings, uh, like after I've showered and my skin's nice and dry, is like a vitamin C serum. Okay. So Would it's vitamin C. Do you have a favorite one? I use the La Roche-Posay mm-hmm. at the moment because I just it's a good value for money. It's got good efficacy. Everyone yeah. that I talk to that knows skin better than I do, which is a lot of people, they tend to, you know, they've got good things to say about it as well. well. If, if Lab Muffin's listening, she can interrogate this and tell us oh, good if God, it's true or not. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Michelle if you're listening. Yeah. So that's what I tend to use. But I, I tend to think that skincare is more than just what you put on your body topically. Mm. So for me, just as important is what's my diet looking like? Am I drinking two to three liters of water a day? Yeah. Am I getting good rest? Um, even thing like things like resistance training. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know the exact mechanism of how this works, but from what I understand, you know, it helps with like circulation, blood flow, um, you know, just staying active, you know, bone density as yeah. well. Um, so I think it's sort of holistic, but that's topically, topically what I use. I keep it pretty simple. I mean, if I've got sunscreen on my face, I'll use a cleanser then, but generally just washing away, you know, the impurities for the day, oils and stuff. I don't have overly oily skin at all. It's, it's fairly normal. Um, I've never felt the need to cleanse. I've never really had an issue with acne or breakouts or anything like that. So I keep it simple because I'm a simple guy. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. Well, that's what men want. Ultimately, I think a lot of men get put off by skincare because it seems, yes, it's, it's marketed quite feminine, but also it seems a bit, involved and fiddly yeah. and, and annoying to be yeah. honest. So yeah. what about you? What's your, um, what's your routine? Well, I'm happy to admit up until probably, probably until I moved to Australia, I certainly didn't have any sort yeah. of routine at all. And, and to be honest, my, my knowledge about skincare was poor because, you know, I was injecting part time at best whilst juggling that with, with right. hospital work. I worked on my own. I didn't work with colleagues. I certainly didn't work with skincare therapists mm-hmm. and I didn't work with any brands. So I was, yep. it, it, you know, uneducated. Like I think a lot of injectors are in a similar boat even now. If they work solo, they're never sort of exposed to this stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, having, you know, worked with you in, yeah. in your clinics and then and moved around and got a bit of a partnership going on with SkinCeuticals, I, I know a lot more now than, than I certainly did. Um, so yeah, so I, I am cleansing in the morning and night. And to be honest, I'm not too fussy about which cleanse I'm using. I'm sort of borrowing my wife's one, which is thinks the from the aspect range. Right. I think it's called Pure Stat. Um, it's just a gentle um, sort of foaming cleanser. Um, there's some glycolic and lactic in there. Just strips away some simple oils. And I tend to get oily over my nose oh, yeah. and, and sort of forehead zone, so that T-zone. Um, and if I'm not careful, I can sort of get buildup of blackheads on the yeah. nose. So that helps a lot. It keeps it at bay and, and sort of makes me look, I guess, cleaner. Um, yeah. And then I'll use a serum. So yeah. I quite, I, you know, I really like the skin better science range and I do like the skin suiticals range. So, um, skin better, skin better science. Sorry. They do a, a really nice serum. That's got 19 a- antioxidants. Right. It feels nice. It, it's not greasy. It's not oily, um, goes in the skin and, you know, you just forget about your day. So that's obviously protective. It's going to help against the environmental, um, antioxidants and obviously internal in- antioxidants. Um, and then I like the CE Ferulic. You've used that as yeah, well, haven't it's you? It's good. Yeah, yeah. So that, you know, is seen as a sort of a gold standard within antioxidants. It's um, obviously vitamin C, vitamin E and frulic acid. Mm-hmm. So the, re- the only reason I sort of mix and match is the frulic acid is an oil or yeah. an oily based sort of um, serum, if you like. And, you know, with my T-zone, I don't want to 
congest yeah. it. Yeah. So that's the only reason I sort of mix them up. Um, what do I do after that? And then yeah, sunscreen? Uh, I'll do the I'll moisturize first. So just a simple moisturizer. Um, I tend to get dry around my mouth, especially after shaving. You moisturize, you moisturize before you put your serums on? No, serum first, okay. then moisturizer, then on top goes the sunscreen. And um, to be honest, I'm using a Factor 50 from SkinCeuticals. Right. Um, which they gave to me for Christmas, oh, which very is nice. very nice. And what's what sort of time delay do you do between applying between the layers yeah oh look um the serum will go in very quickly within like a minute at, you know and i think a lot of people make the mistake of using a serum but using too much of it because they're trying to moisturize <laughs> and yeah. then they waste it and, and you know potentially yeah. get a bit of irritation so the serum literally should be sort of a pea size yeah. and that gets distributed everywhere and don't forget the neck and then yeah the moisturizer is a bit more liberal but i yeah. don't need it on my nose and my forehead because they're oily yeah right so just where i'm dry and then yeah and then on top of that um the sunscreen yeah and i'll you know you should put that on about half an hour before you go out and do you do it everywhere or just your face <clears throat> To be honest, um, I'll do my face. Uh, obviously, if I'm out like on the beach or at the pool, yeah. then I'll do my whole body. Generally, I'm not so fussy because I know I'll go to work and literally I'm in a, you know, I, I don't even have windows yeah. in my rooms. Yeah. So I know that I'm, I'm pretty much not going to see the sun for the rest of the day. Sadly. Yeah, right. But, you know, I don't have to be as fussy because I know I'm not going to forget areas. Yeah. So from that perspective, it's, it's quite simple. Yeah. And then at nighttime cleanse again, and then just a retinol. Yeah. Okay. And what retinol are you using? Well, I've used different ones. So like you said, if, if you get the strength too high, too quickly, yeah. and if you're not, if you're sort of not used to retinols, you can get that retinoid reaction where yeah. you sort of get red, scaly, itchy. And, and people often say I'm, I'm allergic to it. No, you, you, and you're not, you look like you've you got psoriasis. Yeah. Or yeah. So, you know, I've, I've definitely made that mistake years ago when I, when I first started retinols, but, um, skin better science do a nice one. And I've also had one made with the, um, custom dose device uh -huh. from skin SkinCeuticals. So that is a higher strength one. That's 1%. Right. So again, you know, if you're going to start a retinol and you're listening to this, go slowly, um, you know, choose a weaker one. If you tolerate it, awesome. Then you can move up the ladder. Yeah. And, you know, eventually if, if you really want to take it to the the next level, you can get them compounded or prescribed yeah. and, and, and go into sort of um, even higher levels. And use it at night. Yes. Not during the day. <laughs> yes, because you become photosensitive. Yeah. Yeah. I've made that mistake before. I thought, ah, oh, sensitive schmensitive is not going to do in yeah no i was wrong yeah yeah very exactly. wrong <laughs> so tell us about your toxin experience and first of all when did you do it and why did you do it ah uh, well as sort of started to say before i was at, at cosmos and um yeah they needed some training models and i was there <laughs> and uh and um i used to get my masseters treated right because i have like quite like a pronounced sort of you know, that's, that's, that shape to my face. And mm -hmm. I sort of, you know, I was told, Hey, you know, your face is too square. Um, Which is weird. Yeah. Well, I just think it was, it was before really understood, you know, what the ideal male aesthetic was. Yeah. So I had my masseters done for like years. But um, so you didn't have your upper face done yeah, originally? So everything. So I think the first thing I had done was crow's feet yeah, and okay. frown. Um, didn't have too many forehead lines back then. So it was just crow's feet and crown frown sorry yeah um yeah what was the first experience like it was weird i didn't really know what to expect to be honest with you i think um i think anyone that has toxins for the first time it's you're sort of really not sure what to expect yeah um fairly straightforward you know i don't remember being too traumatized by it at all i was just <laughs> sort of i think what surprised me the most was just when it actually started to work yeah 
you know, he sort of I, it kicks in for me fairly quickly. Um, so within like a couple of days, I was like, well, I can't, I can't do that movement any. Like it was just, it was a weird sensation. I think for the yeah. first time, it was weird and um, getting used to feeling, um, you know, <clears throat> unable to express yourself. Yeah. Um, in certain ways, was kind of weird for the first time. I mean, yeah, it's, it's hard it's, to explain to a new patient, even though that's sort of the goal. To explain in words what's going to happen yeah. is hard. Yeah, it's good. It's like it's psychological as well as physical. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I didn't find it too traumatic at all. I can't, you know, I'd seen other patients get it done and it seemed fairly benign mm. um, in terms of pain and so on. So no, that was no issues at all. And then we moved on to the masseters and I used to get a bit of hyperhidrosis done as mm. well. Um, but I haven't had hyperhidrosis done in a really long time. Just under the arms, yeah, or else? Yeah, just on the arms. No. Okay. No, um, but masseters was interesting because it kind of changed the shape of my face. I think it made it look more feminine. Yeah. Um, yeah certainly. So will I'm do. glad that I don't do that anymore. And um, I also chewed a lot of gum over the years as well, which probably accentuated it even further. Mm. To be honest with you, and I wonder if there's any, if that could be part of a protocol <laughs> of actually chewing gum to help develop the the jaw. Yeah. Jaw well, I think we mentioned our last yeah. podcast with it. It was the whole. Um, what's that? What was that thing that the uh, oh mewing mewing? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 He will sort of talk about that yeah to to develop your jaw muscles yeah. and stuff so yeah again we'll try and get uh mr mewing on <laughs> we should try and do that for sure um when did i get toxin for the first time well i trained when i was 27 yeah at uh cosmetic courses in the uk and i th i think at the time we, we only injected models so i didn't get it yep. myself yeah but then I was kind of like, oh, okay, yeah. that's that's what it's all about. Maybe I should yeah. do it and practice what I preach. Yeah. So I used to get just one big sort of dominant line across the forehead. Yeah. I was never a big frowner. Yeah. Um, and I was never that concerned, I guess, at least at the time with my crow's feet. But I just sort of did all areas lowish dose. Mm -hmm. um, and I've never really looked back. I've, yeah. I've always maintained kind of a subtle look yeah i've always had a bit of movement yeah um and actually now i would say I, I, to be honest i don't know if it's my receding forehead <laughs> and, and hairline or i'm actually feeling a bit heavier yeah but but i just feel like my my forehead tolerates less of a heavy dose what happens if you do i just feel like i look heavy right uh no one's said you know what's going on with your eyes or mm. you look tired or anything but i feel it yeah so um how often are you getting talks done per year so i'm not it's not in the diary I, right. i'm not diarizing it because um you know i just get whoever i'm sort of working with to sort yeah. of just do some for me but i, I i'm not going to be fussy but I, I like to draw the dots on so i know exactly what's yeah. being done you do it yourself i have not done it myself no <laughs> no I, look it's too tricky and, and i don't advocate people injecting their face it's just some people inject their own lips uh, yeah look i mean even if you could do it should you? And I think the obvious answer is no. Yeah. Uh, and actually, that's a good idea for an episode. I'd love to get someone on who is routinely showing themselves on YouTube, injecting themselves. Imagine if you had like uh, a just to talk about the why. Yeah, it's kind not of, there to judge, but I, I just to talk about the why. Yeah, I think um, it'd be very interesting, especially with some of those more complex. Like doing your own lips, I I, I find that um, yeah, look, very it, interesting. Uh, yeah, you just can't if you're right-handed. You know, just. It's just not going to be And then you're doing everything the opposite in the mirror. <laughs> exactly. Um, you know, and then you're looking for those subtleties like vascular occlusion and depth yeah. and are you aspirating or, or whether you even believe in that? Who knows? But yeah. you just cannot do that yourself. I just don't believe it. 
it's, yeah, well, as I said, there's plenty of, as you said, there's plenty of DIY people that are doing all sorts of things. Yeah, and, online you know, and again, uh, not knocking people, you get injectors yeah. putting videos of themselves up doing it. Yeah. So, you know, if they're happy to, to, to advertise that, let's have a yeah. chat. What do you think about the concept that, you know, men should have wrinkles and that having a completely frozen face for a man, and I guess this is some of the, you know, might be considered like unfair that it's acceptable mm. or, you know, um, you know, it's not unattractive. And I'm not saying women with wrinkles are unattractive. It's not what I'm saying. I'm yeah. saying that, you know, women tend to want to be wrinkle free. Yes. Whereas men tend to, well, from my perspective, I want to reduce the movement, but I still don't mind having a few lines, especially around the eyes. That's exactly my, that's, that's my take on it. Yeah. So, but why though? I mean, why is it that it's acceptable for men um, to have more movement and lines? I think and not even women? women would find a man with a little bit of, I don't know his word, masculinity, but a little bit of edge. Rugged. Rugged, whatever you want to call it. That is attractive to them. Right. And, and you know, everyone's got different tastes, but most women don't want a man who's so particular about his looks that it becomes distracting. He's pretty, it, prettier it, than her or spends more time yeah, looking in the mirror. Yeah, wants to come across as... Um, Effeminate? Not, not, you know, just looking good, but not taking too much care of it. Right, okay. So it's look like uh, looking, again, that not looking like quite, you try too hard. Yeah, that sounds a bit sexist because, you know, I'm not saying that women should, Yeah, but many women do. And that's not seen as a problem. Yeah. Well, you know, lots of women that I've spoken to, you know, it's fairly, it's a fairly consistent view that they like men to have a few lines yeah. and wrinkles. Yeah. And look, my approach to myself, I, I said it myself, I don't mind a, a lower dose and a bit of movement is, and especially for the crow's feet is, you know, when a guy smiles and there's a couple of lines or a bit of movement, I think it's attractive. Yeah. It's, it's bit, that glint in the eye. Yeah. It's, it, it doesn't look feminized. Yeah. And it and it has less of an effect on on the position of the brow. Yeah, right. So in fact, even my pattern will be different from man. So I'll tend to do the standard, you know, three points just mm. to calm things down. But I'm not trying to do a brow lift. Yeah. Whereas for a woman, I'm a little bit more particular about actually trying to raise the brow. Right. So you know, it's not even just dose. It's where the where the Botox goes or the toxin goes. And what about sort of regularity? I mean, I I, I tend to do mine about once a year or when. Someone says to me, hey, you're- uh, Yeah, that you're was me when I used to work with you. I say, hey, get on the bed. We're yeah, doing it today. Yeah, this, is, this is an emergency. <laughs> this is a cosmetic, this is an aesthetic emergency. I can't let you be seen in public like this. But I mean, how often? I mean, what do you think is, um, is a good time for, for, you know, between treatments for you men? You know, j just looking at the pharmacokinetics, we know that it will last three or four months yeah. on average. Yeah. So, you know, depending on how fussy the patient is yeah. and, and what they need, then sure, you can stretch out if you want to. But I, I like to get people in three times a year yeah. just to touch base with them. I don't have to go heavy on the dose, yeah. but I can, you know, look at their aesthetic, talk about their skin, look at their volume and just catch up with people. Yeah. If you see someone once a year, you know, they sort of don't, they don't buy into the process almost. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not saying that, you know, you're trying to sell to them, but you know, you, you, these things need to be maintained like anything. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so it seems like filler and, you know, collagen, it tends to be more, where, well, for me anyway, that's what I focus more on is rather than being fixated on a couple of lines and wrinkles is what's the overall shape and volume. Mm. Um, and that tends to be something that if it's done well is, is less obvious, especially, I think especially. You mean for filler? Yeah. Yeah, I think oh, so, for yeah. sure. And yeah. do you think that's sort of 
the you know the primary t- tool for, for for the male aesthetic you know rather than relying so heavily on toxin it's more about you know shape yeah and look, volume. I, I think for most people after the age of 30 yeah. you know say this to all my patients you are going to look in the mirror and compare yourself to when you're 25 yeah. and early 30s and notice something isn't as good right whatever it is whether it's your jawline shape yeah. mainly it's the mid-face volume or, yeah. or tear trough starts forming those are the common things and so yeah if you can just maintain and tweak you know looking at the rest of the face rather than just focusing on wrinkles yeah. i think it's much higher impact yeah i can leave people with wrinkles but deal with their volume and they can still look great yeah and texture and tone yeah. correct whereas if i nail their wrinkles but leave them deflated they look crap yeah it's weird isn't it yeah it, it's much more attractive to see a well-shaped face with, you know, features all in harmony with one another than seeing, as you said, like a a skeleton with, you know, no wrinkles. Yeah. And you know, that, that's the mistake that um, even my patients in the UK used to make because back then filler wasn't as ubiquitous. It wasn't as universal. And so I would do their toxin for years and yet I would be looking at their face changing Mm -hmm. saying, Hey, maybe we could do something else. And they just, found that step too far for them. So yep. they didn't want to do filler. And I felt that they were looking worse Yeah, because they were sort of yep. great on their forehead, Yeah, but the rest of the face wasn't. Whereas now, you know, good injectors will, you know, it, it's not toxin or filler. It's everything. Yep. It's just, what do you need? Yeah. Um, what, why is it that you think that a lot of people believe that men, when they get older to a certain degree, almost become more attractive? There, there's obviously a, a point of diminishing returns or where it starts to go the opposite <laughs> way. Right. But you know, there tends to be, you know, talk about guys like George Clooney, yeah. for example, and the consensus of, among all the women I've spoken to about this is that when he was younger, like in his ear, when he was in ER, yeah. that show, the hospital show, yeah. um, wasn't as attractive as he is, you know, or he was 10 years ago, mm. you know, gray hair, a few more lines. Why is, that? I mean, what is happening from a, um, you know, proportions, you know, shape, What's going on there that sort um, of makes that, that sort of? I think it's multifactorial. So yeah, I, I do think we must have discussed this before. Yeah. I think men do age better, and what I mean by that is their skin is thicker generally yeah. because they carry a beard. They don't go through a menopause. Right. They generally get less saggy. Right. And and their skin quality is better because they haven't lost estrogen, and, yeah. and therefore, you know, women really notice it. They go through yeah. a menopause, and literally, their skin gets thinner, yeah. they bruise more, they get saggier, they get jowlier. Yeah. Their neck starts getting loose, and and think it's more obvious. Right. So I think men, you know, inverted commas, do age better. Mm. But I think. Women, um, you know, mo- most guys start getting greys when they're 30 or 30-ish. Yeah. And so it's not seen as old. Right. Because you're getting it younger anyway. I'm mm. certainly grey and I'm, I'm sure oh, your beard, beard is as well. I'm like 30% grey in my yeah. beard, yeah. So whether you're 30, 40 or 50, being grey isn't like a new thing. Yeah. So I don't think it's as obvious. Yeah. Whereas many women, you know, because they colour their hair, mm-hmm. you never sort of notice that change yeah. until they either give up or they go through the menopause where things more yeah. obviously change. Yeah. So it's partly, you know, biological and it's partly sort of cultural and societal. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, and the other thing is people like George Clooney, I'm trying to remember what he looks like, but I think he's actually got quite a good hairline. Yeah. He hasn't receded. Right. So he looks 
younger right just because you know he hasn't lost hair which is a big thing for right. facial aging for me anyway okay so you know i can see mine disappearing you should start, uh, you should start skin needling there uh, i think i need to do more than that i need to get some uh, i know a few look fues i know and yeah i know a few guys that have um i've seen it myself and i'm i don't know whether this works for everyone or not but certainly have seen results in people that i know who were starting to recede or have a bit of a, a patch that was thinning out and they mm. just started skin needling there and, it, and I, it helped a lot I, I yeah. think if you're thinning yeah there, there's some merit in there get blood flow and all the rest of it but if you've lost the hair oh, okay it's no no it, it's you. uh yeah you're, you're flogging a dead horse <laughs> basically <laughs> it's like there's no point in me starting minoxidil now apart from to preserve what i already have right but i'm not going to grow back those temporal areas that are right gone yeah bye yeah <laughs> So, so yeah, my, so I, I think hair actually does have a big part, both the colour and, yeah. and, and, and where the hairline is. Yeah. And then you sort of mentioned, you know, women with hormones. So I guess things like HRT potentially could be quite beneficial oh, as well. I, I talk about this a lot in my consults and I actually speaking to someone just this week. Yeah. And she resisted HRT for about four years. Why? Why? Uh, you know, because she was worried about the the the, the lower risk of um, ovarian cancer and, and right. uterine cancer. I don't know if she had a history of breast cancer as well. Mm -hmm. Maybe, maybe not. Um, yeah. But um, it just didn't sit with her. You know, yeah. a lot of people don't like taking medicine for the sake of it. Yeah. Know, I know people who won't take Panadol, let alone hormones. Yeah. So from that perspective, you know, she was a bit resistant. But when she started seeing the change to her body, yeah. and actually she didn't go through sweats and, and all the rest of it. It was just aesthetically, yeah. she saw a difference. Yeah, right. And she's only been on the HRT for about, I think, four or six months. And, and she feels better. Yeah. The skin texture is better. It's, it, it feels less thin. And yeah. obviously we did some filler for her, but yeah. it, it's important. Yeah. Also for men too. I mean, men lose the testosterone yeah. as they get older. And from my understanding, again, not an endocrinologist, but from, from what You're I understand, not? no, <laughs> contrary to popular belief, um, you know, your body is trying to keep itself in hemostasis all the time. So mm. if you have a declining testosterone level then your body will probably try and regulate your estrogen and you know the hormones in your body to keep them in the right sort of ratio to one another mm. and that's something that affects men too and can affect the way that they age and their skin their moods energy you Libido, know recovery, everything everything yeah. um because that's you know as your hormones decline everything goes with it so um that's a big factor as well i think for skincare as well yeah um yeah interesting and then we've got all the foods that we eat that are you know potentially disruptive to that too mm. the plastics and you know so on and so forth that you know, from everything that i've read um can cause disruption to your testosterone levels yeah so interesting yeah and, and sperm count and all the rest of it yeah so it's multifactorial so when was your first filler Ooh, and why did you do it and where did gosh you do it? where did i do my i think i got my cheeks done no tear troughs okay yes. i had my tear troughs done by joe what just on their own yep just on their own um, probably more than 15 years ago, probably 17 years ago. And, shit. and according to everyone that's looked at my tear troughs, they say they're full AF. Yes. And <laughs> I've never had another treatment done there and there's no bubbling or sausages or anything like that. So I don't know whether he was just a genius last. or I was just a good candidate at the time, I guess being in my probably mid twenties. Yeah. Where you had no, no loose skin or. Yeah. Or, but I'm pretty sure it's still there. I, I'm pretty sure I've still got something yeah, I, there. I look, I mean, I've known you yeah. long enough to sort of know yeah. that you've had it done, but yeah, you're, 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 you're full. Yeah. And, and you could argue that, you know, you, you, it's hard to see your lower lid, yeah. particularly on one eye, but yeah. no one would know unless yeah. I'm really looking yeah. for it. It's weird, isn't it? And then I had my cheeks done 
Um, I've had my cheeks done a few times and I haven't had anything done in the last, I think you were the last person to do them probably about four years ago. Yeah, years ago. So I had, anything, had my chin done on one side because I've got some asymmetry on, on one side of my chin. Yeah. I've had sculpture done in my temples. Ah, interesting. Who did that for you? Uh, Yelena from ah, Cosmetic Lounge. Cosmetic Lounge. Yeah, she did that for me. That cool. was a long time ago. Shout out to Yelena. Yeah. Um, I think that's about it with fillers, to be honest with you. Um, what else? I think that's it. Well, we did something interesting. I remember this. I, I don't know if you're happy to talk about this. Sure. We'll cut this out. Yeah, fine. So you, you had a bit of treatment around the chest area. Yeah. So I had, I had like pseudo-gynecomastia. So what's pseudo-gynecomastia? So, so it's sort of like not the full-blown like bitch tits, not the full-blown- <laughs> Well, that's, that's, hey, Man that's boots. what the kids on the street are calling it, right? I'm okay. just, <laughs> I was on, I was a very bad asthmatic as a kid mm-hmm. and I've outgrown it many, many years ago, but I was on some um, steroids. Mm-hmm to help with that. And yeah. I think that the age that I was, that I had it going through puberty. Influenced your yeah, fat development. Correct. And it or was, maybe your glands, I don't know. Yeah, the glands. And so for me, um, as I got older, I really like, I could, you know, feel, feel like more development, like more gland tissue on there. It wasn't something that was obvious to look at, but it was mm-hmm. something that mentally. Yeah, you would know. I could feel it. And it was just, and I didn't know what it was for years. And it wasn't until I really got into the industry and started understanding, I go, ah, that's what I've got. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I mentioned it to my punch because I can't see what you're talking about. There's nothing there. Like I can feel it. I can feel that it's there. And it was just a psychological thing. Yeah. Um, so I had that removed. I had them removed a few years ago, mm-hmm. finally, after thinking about it for so long. Um, but there was a little bit of over-resection done. On, particularly on one side. So you attempted to do some, some fillers in there. And well, I've, yeah. well, you, you asked me and I said, what are you talking about? You're high. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I was like, look, this is a shot to nothing. I'm happy to yeah. give it a go. I'm not worried about yeah. sort of safety, but yeah. I, I didn't think it would work Yeah, because we used um, Voluma in basically the fat plane. Yeah. It wasn't even subdermal mm-hmm. or dermal. It was trying to yeah. fill out a crater where too much glandular tissue had yeah. been removed. And I think, you would admit that it, it didn't look bad, it, but just didn't look what you wanted. Yeah. It, it, in fact, it probably left a palpable lump where the filler was. Yeah. So um, that didn't work, but you know, it, it was worth a crack. And, and you eventually actually got that ultrasounded yeah, and dissolved. So Chris, Chris Rogan did it for me. Shout out to Chris. I know you, you're listening or you listen sometimes, or maybe someone's going to tell you that we mentioned you. <laughs> <laughs> you did that. You did some dissolving for me under ultrasound. Yeah. Um, and since then I've had it retreated with sculpture. Ah. And it's worked beautifully. Nice. So the sculpture has alleviated like it's, you know, 95% perfect. Like I, I'd i have to like really animate in a really weird way that only I would notice because I'm psychotic. Yeah. But I would notice this stuff. <laughs> Do you know how much sculpture is used or are you not sure? Uh, I think we've done like uh, probably two vials. Two vials? Yeah. Wow, that's, yeah. It's not, I remember it being a small area, but yeah. I guess, you know, that's interesting, the sculpture. It's almost like a, it feels bigger areas but yeah. not in a specific way yeah and it well it doesn't really have it's like any, an expander almost yeah and it's just and it's also i think i help help the skin quality in that area as well so i'll probably get that done every 12 to 18 months just get a top up done just to see how it goes interesting um, but that seems to have been what i needed yeah so but it was quite a journey you know going from having this thinking about it for so long having the surgery done waiting for it to heal, then like dealing with the fact that there was probably a bit of over-resection done and how do we deal with that? And, Mm. you know, oh my God, have I created something worse than what I started with? What's wrong with me? I shouldn't have done anything. It wasn't noticeable, you know, and all these sort of, and also because I know more than the average person 
it's almost overthinking, almost overthinking it because you know what your options are and you know, what's possible and what's not. And you know, the, you know, the, um, what's it called it? The, um, the, the potential to make things worse. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So, you know, and with that comes like a little bit of lipo obviously to when they do in, when they do the, um, resec when they take the gland out or they cut it, cut it away, they want to make sure there's not going to be a demarcation. Yeah. So obviously with that original surgery, there was also a little bit of, um, liposuction done there to sort of create like a smooth transition, mm. but all in all, like fairly, fairly straightforward, um, wasn't any sort of major recovery involved other than just, you know, compression garments, a bit of swelling and bruising, you know, I've, I've got a nurse as a partner, so she makes sure I don't get things like infections and I'm taking care of, you know, wound management appropriately. <laughs> so that's a bit of a benefit, but, um, I think we're, I think we're home and hose now with that, but it was, you know, it was a process. It took a couple of years to get right. After. Yeah. So yeah. And as I said, like, that's the fillers that I've had done, Sculptra. And I've done your lips once. And you've, oh my God. <laughs> I got demolished. My girlfriend demolished me because- I didn't want to have big lips. I just want to like, you know, get, have something. Get, well, it's just, well, just to keep them hydrated, you know, cause I know that you, everyone loses collagen in their face in, and obviously included in that is the lips as well. So you did them and I never had them done before. And um, I hadn't told my girlfriend or partner that, I was, that I'd got it done. And we went for, and the next day we like went out for breakfast somewhere and she's looking at me, she's like, <laughs> she says, what the fuck have you done to your face? <laughs> she goes, have you got something to tell me? Are you? <laughs> She's just, she's just, I'm she allergic to sourdough. She just couldn't stop. Yeah. I had just got stung by a bee. Um, but yeah, that was quite interesting. And that was like, I was actually interested. I'm glad I had the treatment done. I probably would get it done and get in a few years if they start to get a bit thin or not interested in having like big feminine Actually, it's lasted. Yeah. It looks good. Yeah. Um, and so I'd probably get them done again in, in a few years time if they start to become a bit thin or deflated. Yeah. Um, but it was, I think it was just good for me to experience it cause I'd never, I'd had everything else done basically, oh, yeah. but never had my lips done. And it's like a bit more compassion for those patients who freak out. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's not the most comfortable thing. I can think of a million and one things I'd rather be doing than have someone stick a needle in one of the most you know, sort sensitive of sensitive areas. areas of the face where yeah. there's more nerve endings and like <laughs> your fingertips and your lips are like the <laughs> areas with the most nerve endings, um, apart from other areas, obviously. But I mean, I think that, um, when I haven't had any fillers done there. Yeah. We'll get onto that <laughs> in another episode. David's been a plastic. He didn't have one by the way. Oh God. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, all in all, I think they've all been good experiences. I've been lucky never to have a, an occlusion or a really bad aesthetic outcome. Yeah. Um, but I guess I've been particular about who's in, who's injected me. So, yeah, what, nice. about, what about you? Um, again, up until Australia, I'm pretty sure I hadn't had filler. I definitely had right. toxin. I was doing that regularly. Um, I think the first time I had filler, uh, you know, in retrospect, I, I, I don't sort of agree that people, or sorry, I don't advise people do this. I was a model. Oh yeah. Uh, but like what you just said, um, for a training event, it wasn't with Allegan, um, but it was with another company. And I had noticed, uh, that I was getting a little bit flat and, and looking a bit tired through the front of the cheek. Mm-hmm. So I thought, okay, that, that, that's a reasonable reason to, to try fillers. And obviously I'm injecting people. Let's, yeah. let's practice what I preach. And, um, I can't remember the product, but I, I do remember it being a bit of a weird technique. So they were using a cannula and she was using the cannula to subsize or break up what's called the zygomatic cutaneous ligament, this right. sort of dent that comes across the front mm-hmm. of the cheek when, when you get a bit deflated. And she basically bruised the hell out of me, particularly right. on one side. Mm-hmm. And once the bruising had settled, I didn't really notice any aesthetic difference. Right. So I don't know how much filler was used. I, I'll be honest, I can't remember. So I guess my first experience of filler was a bit 
negative. Well, right. it, it certainly wasn't good. <laughs> um, and so I sort of went away feeling like, oh, that's, that's not ideal. Um, but anyway, after that, I, I sort of um, worked with a nurse we were injecting at the same clinic and she did more of a full face approach. Right. And obviously had a bit more of a consultation. I wasn't a model this time. Yeah. And so that was better. And so we worked again on that area of concern, the tiredness, um, but also a little bit into the chin and the jaw. And I really liked that because then I could see a positive difference, but it was balanced, yep. portioned, um, you know, minimal downtime. And uh, yeah, that was probably my first proper treatment. It wasn't that long ago, maybe four or five years yep. ago at best. Mm-hmm. Um, and then since then, I've probably tinkered with that every 18 months. So I've probably had a full face two or three times. So I'm not doing it regularly, um, partly just because I'm too bloody busy. I'd yeah. love to sort of be able to pop in and, and have access to a, a really skilled injector more regularly. Yeah. I just probably a bit lazy about that. Right. So who does your treatments? Um, I've had Kath Porter do it before. Right. She was the last one to, to do sort of a full face. We, we used Volux in my chin and my right. jaw. So actually that's probably the, probably been the best thing aesthetically that I've noticed is I've got a better chin and jaw. Yeah. Years ago, no one would have said you've got a good chin and jaw. Right. Whereas now I think it looks you know, it's good. Yeah. So, you know, I, I wasn't born with that is basically what I'm saying. You're born with, you had the cleft though, right? I always had a cleft, um, but it was just slightly weaker, not like excessively, but a little bit weaker on the actual chin, probably less defined on the corner. Yeah. But also I had a, and we're talking mild, a mild, yeah. su- mild submental fullness or a mild yeah. double chin. And not because I was heavy, but because I had a weaker chin, it just right. just didn't look as good. Mm-hmm. So actually I had Belchira. That right. was that was awesome. Back in 2017 when yeah. when we launched it at your clinic, um, then I was a model for one of your injectors and she was my model. Right. So we got to learn together. But again, we both had the indication to do it. We weren't right. just messing around on each other. Yeah. And I think that was one of the best things that I've ever done. Right. Like I, I still have that result to yeah. the day. Um, combined with the chin filler, yeah. I think it's a really nice longer term yep. treatment. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Um, what was your Belkyra experience like? So that was interesting because when it was launched and in fact still on label when, when, when it's sort of described, mm-hmm. you don't mix it with local. Right. Oh, so, <laughs> you know, honestly, and, and I love Belkyra and, and I've trained in Belkyra, you know, to teach Belkyra It's one of the most painful treatments if you don't think about analgesia properly. Yeah. Right. So if you don't, um, you know, use ice to either ice the area and make it super numb, mm-hmm. which to be honest, I don't tolerate. I don't tolerate I find, ice I find on my ice skin. hurts more. Yeah, it hurts. I, I can't keep it on. Hence, you know, I've developed other ways of, of um, numbing the area. But yeah, if you don't numb the area and you just inject pure Belkyra, holy shit, it, yeah. it, it really is like a bee sting. Wow. It, it's very, very intense. And then when, when that intense sting goes away, which you know goes away in probably seconds, you're left with a dull, heavy ache. Right. Like a toothache. In your neck. In, in your sort of um, yeah. double chin. So that's not nice. But if you, you know, I won't sort of teach people how to do it, but if you use other ways of analgesing, Belkyra is the most comfortable thing you can do. Right. But also, you know, long-term results. And how long did it take you to see your results? Uh, so I did two sessions only. Um I reckon about six weeks after the second one. Yeah, right. And in fact, at that time, we were teaching just four weeks between treatments, right. which I think is too short. Yeah. So I extend it to about six to eight weeks mm-hmm. now between sessions. But yeah, 
if you're going to do Belkyra and you're a good candidate, you'll see results at about three to four months. Right. But then it's yours for life. And is it still being done? Because it's like it's like it's been vaporized from from the industry. There was a lot um, of complications around who could do it and who couldn't, and there were some issues with the PI. Yeah. Look, um, I don't I can't really speak for, for Allegan, of course, but yeah. I just think it's not a priority. That you know, it's yeah. a, it's a niche. Yeah. treatment mm-hmm. and and certainly botox and fillers are by far and away what people are doing day to day right so I, I guess from that perspective it's just a, a business decision let's just dedicate our time to to things that are actually right. more relevant well i guess i've got cool sculpting as well yeah which but, is a bit, a bit of an overlap in terms of what it can do yeah exactly exactly so you know if you've got two treatments for one indication arguably there, there's a bit of subtlety between why you would choose one sure. or the other but it's not like you can't treat it with something yep. else. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, so that's my filler experience. I don't think I've, I mean, I've done my temples, mm-hmm. cheek, both lateral and anterior, chin, jaw, and, and my bell chiro. Right. And what's next? <laughs> well, look, if um, someone in Sydney, oh, I don't know who to sort of ask or approach, but I'd love to get a little bit just on the under eye just slightly hollowing right it's not really tear trough it's more just support of the upper cheek yeah Yeah. right but you know it's something that i'm not going to go to someone who's not experienced in doing it obviously just like i tell any of my patients i'm going to wait for dana or steven or someone you know who does it regularly yeah okay yeah and anything else on the wish list other than fillers um not really you're not going to do that Penile reduction surgery that you've no, been telling me you're going to no. no. <laughs> We'll just deal with it, you know. Yeah. It's hard. It's, it's hard being 15 inches. Yeah, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, listeners. Just lost half probably our cho- listeners. Yeah. Probably choked on your coffee. Yeah. Um, I, I'm joking aside, I, I reckon I probably would do something with my hairline right. at some point. It doesn't bother me to the point where I'm like desperately thinking about it. Right. But I, I, I think it would improve my aesthetic from my you know, yeah. some people wouldn't even give a crap. They'd say you're fine, but yeah. I know it's changed. Yeah, right. Just like you knew yeah. your pseudo gynecomastia was there. Yeah, it bothered you. Yeah. So yeah, I reckon I would look into that. The only thing I don't want to do is shave my head. Yeah, uh, which you'd, a lot of these like, you'd look like a serial killer uh, if you did. I look like a fucking idiot. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, I don't really know why you have to shave your head. I've, I've certainly seen um, hair transplant videos where they didn't shave the head. Right. So. I don't know. I'm, I oh, guess so you, okay, so you're worried about the actual I'm process. Not worried. It's just like you could wear a you wig. Know. You could wear a wig for a while while you're waiting for it to grow. Yeah, I'll go blonde. <laughs> go blonde for six months. Get some dreadlocks. Yeah, but you know, joking aside, it, it, if you're worried about, say, your hairline, uh-huh. and then you have to change your whole hairstyle along with it, yeah. it's kind of a longer transition to get what you want. Yeah. Whereas mm-hmm. if you could just fill in the patches. And, you know, and just wear a fringe for six months. That's probably better. Is it just? Way is it just this? The, wi- just the, 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 not, the widow's peak. Sort not of thi- yeah, not thinking on the crown or anywhere else. It's just there. Well, then why would you need to shave your head? Well, I don't see why you'd need to. I think it just makes it technically easier because yeah. then they can see what they're doing. Yeah, but put some gel on or a hairband or yeah. whatever. Yeah, exactly. So, so yeah, if, if, if you're a hair transplant surgeon listening and you want to have a crack at my hair, yeah, let us know. Yeah, we'll do it. We'll, we'll document do it. it for mates' rates. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we'll, we'll be the first thing on our, on our new YouTube channel. That'd be hilarious. We should film the whole thing yeah. on the journey. 100%. So that's fillers. Um, have you ever regretted a treatment or needed Ooh. dissolving? We've, we actually, I guess we've the dis- discussed yeah, the, the chest yeah, thing. Yeah, that was that. Um, what else? I think I've had like a mild ptosis at one point oh, right. from, uh, from toxin. 
when someone went too close to uh, that area when they were treating my, my frown. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? Um, blame it on the injector. Yeah, why not? Nothing to do with the aftercare. <laughs> Nothing to do with my anatomy or aftercare at all. <laughs> yeah. um, I thought I made a mistake once, but I was wrong. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> um, have anything else I've regretted? I don't think so. Um, I think it's all been pretty beneficial. Um, yeah. Had braces as well, but that's not really an injector treatment. Um, but did you hmm? get? Did you get the teeth result that you were after? Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, what yeah. is it an overbite or no? I just had some crowding in the in the bottom teeth and um, just uh, was there anything with my bite? I don't think so. I think they just sort of further improved. I didn't have a bad bite. Mm. It was um, well, I had what was called supernumerary teeth. I had four supernumerary teeth and having like, like one extra teeth. Yeah, so one is like having. I think it's like one in a million people get a supernumerary tooth. Yeah, I had that's four, like an X Man power. And I, and I had four of them. <laughs> extra teeth. So I had these random rogue teeth growing in my jaw that hadn't come to the surface yet, and they were starting to wrap. Like their root system was starting to entangle my healthy teeth. Interesting. And so I had to have a. It was like a four-hour operation with an oral surgeon to basically yeah. jackhammer these things out of my face. But I guess the question is. Was that that was what was making all the other teeth crowded and, and crooked? It was potentially causing an issue. Um, so I had them removed and then I had two premolars removed as well because I had too many teeth for my jaw and then mm. I had braces. See, so if you speak to like ex- Mike Mew, yeah, he, would say, he will say that's completely the opposite of what you should be doing. Yeah. You should be expanding your jaw. Well, yeah. So I bet that was... This is twenty years ago. I was in high oh, school. Yeah, I was in high school. Yeah. Traditional orthodontics. Yeah, correct. So if I had my time again, I probably wouldn't have had those premolars removed. Yeah. You'd the have super a- new needed to come out because they were gonna damage my healthy teeth. Yeah. But they weren't normal teeth. They look like uh they look like some sort of science experiment. Have you seen those things? I thought they're called where they'll these random cells that grow together inside. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just like this weird mutated teeth. They looked, I saw them on the next ray. It looked very disturbing. Right. Um, and so, but it was supposed to be like just a one hour procedure, but they couldn't get them out. I've got very, because I've got, if you look in my mouth, I've got. David, see that tongue underneath my me? tongue. If you look down there, it's called. Oh, yeah, you've got a, f- a fat frenulum. No, it's not fat, it's bone. Wow. And it's for people that have very, de- like sometimes have very dense bone. It's sort That's of like an over. An over um, it's, I forgot the name of it. My God, I'm so as soon as we start that thing that attaches your tongue to the roof of your mouth. David's is like a block. <laughs> yeah, it's like there's extra, but there's extra bone mass there, which yeah. I've got. So I've got very. I've never actually broken a bone. I've had fractures and and ligament damage. What's but that I've ne- film? Uh, you've got the guy who always breaks his bones, and then you've got the guy who's like invincible. Yeah. So I've. <laughs> So, yeah, so it took them <laughs> so long to get these bones out of my jaw. They were basically, it was supposed to be an hour procedure. I was there for four hours. My parents are having like a heart attack in the waiting room because wow. they thought something's gone wrong. Yeah. But I looked like I'd been hit with like a baseball bat for like two weeks after the procedure. There was so much swelling mm. um, because they had to like brutalize Dig my around. jaw to get it out. They were almost hammering, 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 chiseling it out of my jaw. Yeah. Full on. There you go. Yeah. Um, I have dissolved what I used to call my little baked bean. <laughs> Someone had a go at my under eyes. I'm not going to actually name them. Well, and they teased you about it or they had a go at No, no, no. They, they used oh, right. filler there. Yeah. And, um, you know, immediately after it looks better because there's a bit of swelling and it all looks 
yeah. you know, uniform. But as once the swelling goes away and you're just left with filler, yeah. you're left with obviously some asymmetries. And right. this is one of the things that Gavin was talking about with, yeah. with tear troughs is that it's never, or it's very difficult to always get quite right. Yeah. And you, and you get left with these areas of puffiness or whatever. Right. And even as an injector, I didn't really sort of pick it or, or think about it. And then I sort of catch myself in photos and I was like, what is that? Yeah, right. Why is that? Is that the filler? Is that just me? Who knows? I left it for ages. Right. And I even sort of joked about it on, on Instagram years ago. I was like, look at my asymmetrical face. Yep. And then I realized, no, it's not my face. I never used to have that. Yeah. And and so I just did a test with some dissolver and, and it went. Huh, there you go. I was like, awesome. I would rather look a tiny bit tired than, a, than look asymmetrical and odd. Have a baked bean and stuff yeah. on the side of your face. So it's, it's, it's a good learning point for, well, how to use dissolver, obviously, but, you know, what's better? Yeah. To, to look less tired but weird or slightly, normal and, and- Slightly hollow. Yeah, exactly. So I, I would take that every time. Yeah. Oh, so by the way, the name of the thing that I had in my jaw, it's called um, mandibular tori. Right. So it's a benign growth in the mouth. And in 90% of cases, there is a torus or both the left and right sides of your oral cavity, making this overwhelmingly bilateral condition. The oral abnormality normally does not cause any serious damage. So that's what it is. You weirdo. Yeah, I know, right? Oh, Interesting. And I've had PDO threads and I've had Morpheus 8 and I've had radius in my neck. I forgot about all that shit. I've had so many things. I was going to say, so it's I've body dysmorphia <laughs> confessions time now. Okay. So joking aside, let me just, uh, the other thing I dissolved was um, a bit of anterior cheek. Again, yeah. I don't know when or how it happened, but I felt like I was looking a bit too puffy. Right. Like my eye was looking a little bit smaller compared to the cheek and I'm not blaming anyone, but you know, at some point it didn't look right for right. me. Mm -hmm. So I dissolved that as well. And again, I would rather look normal yep. mm -hmm. but but maybe slightly tired here yeah than overcooked now again is that technique is it the type of filler mm -hmm. it's not really the discussion for that today but maybe it was put too superficially the filler. right and, yeah. and, and if it went deeper you know you don't tend to get that but yeah. you know for a man you don't want to do too much on the anterior cheek where it feminizes yeah you look a bit so odd. again sort mm -hmm. of a good learning lesson for me yeah so yeah so you've done hyperdilute radius in your neck yep. and chest. I did that for yes. you. Again, why did you do that? And what did you notice? Oh, just because I know that's the first area other than the face where you'll start to show signs of aging is in that neck. It's so hard to treat. The skin's so thin. Mm -hmm. It's so exposed all the time because unless you're wearing like a skivvy or a <laughs> scarf, um, it's impossible to sort of keep it out of the sun. So, you know, and I didn't wear sunscreen on my neck for a really long time. So um, just wanted to, I guess, get a bit proactive mm -hmm. and try and head things off before they became an issue. So yeah, you did some hyperdiluted radius in there. I've also had some threads in there just yeah. as a training model, um, just to sort of further reinforce um, collagen and elastin in that area. Had Morpheus eight as yeah. well. Again, same area, just it's radio frequency. <laughs> it really it, doesn't like this area. Yeah, um, and and yeah, and just threads. I've had threads in my neck. I've had them in my in the upper face as well, around sort of around the um, crow's feet sort of area. But that's, mm. I think that's it. I think I mean, that's everything. Joking yeah. aside, like, mm. what? How, well, firstly. Do you think that either of these was better? Because you've done sort of three treatments on, an, on one area. Um, but have you, I mean, obviously you're not well, worse. I think, I, think, I think the radius gave the most profound, noticeable difference straight away. Okay. But is that just because, you know, you've put some volume in and it looks a bit oh, I can just I can out. just feel even the skin there. Just It just feels thicker. Okay. That's um, good to so know. So I definitely, definitely noticed an improvement there. 
Um, you know, with the threads, it's sort of similar to sculpture. You know, you're getting a chemical reaction from the thread breaking down and getting yeah. collagen induction via that um, modality. So um, I think the radius was the most significant and pronounced. It was also the most uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, I mean, look, even for me, that I, I don't do that regularly at all. So there's probably a learning curve for yeah. me because, you know, you're using a cannula on a curved surface. Yeah, and try so, not to hit my, my jugular vein. Yeah. <laughs> well, we definitely, <laughs> hopefully we won't be that, that deep. But yeah, you're right. It's, um, you know, it's, it's a technique thing as well. As and it's also a sensitive area. Like people like touching, your, I don't know what, it's the psychological thing, but when someone's like in up in your, in, in your, your neck, neck it's, it's, weird. it's very sort of, you're trying to squirm away, but you know that you can't, it's just, it's an awkward area that's yeah. quite sensitive. And yeah. I think people um, naturally sort of feel uncomfortable with that area being being played with. Yeah. Yeah. So. If anyone's interested in the technique, we did do a podcast with Sabrina Farby quite yes. a while ago. So look it up on our directory. We're going to yeah. that technique in a bit more detail. Yeah. Um, fine. And, so, then I, oh, and then I've had some laser treatments for like pigmentation and sun damage, but I don't, I don't, yeah. God, that's, I don't know whether you'd count that as a medical sort yeah. of, it's still cosmetic though, for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah for sure. And, and Morpheus say, well, tell us a bit about that. Um, so Dana, Dr. Dana Lim did that for me from Shape Clinic. Um, and they just actually, I think that they were trialing the, the machinery. I think that, um, Dr. Lou was wanting to see, you know, what patients thought about it and what mm -hmm. the results were like. And I know Dana, just, just like you, she's all about the science and the data and, you know, actually seeing the results on people. So she was, they were looking for, for patients to, um, sort of come in and be happy to have the treatment done and, and sort of gauge what the results were looking like. So I, I was happy with it. it. It hurt a bit because she doesn't muck around. She goes like, <laughs> she goes hard. Turn just, the dial up. Yeah, just dial up. And um, I found, I thought it was good. Again, I've had radio frequency before, but with um, other technologies, I think that this one was far more powerful. Hmm. Um, just noticed skin quality improved a little bit, but you know, you're sort of hyperanalyzing yourself. It's sort of hard, you know. Well, you know, we get and some of these things you can't see in photos. Well, yeah, and you get a patient like yourself who's yeah. clearly taking care of yeah. everything for years. How are you going to know? Yeah. Unless you do a biopsy and look at the collagen. Correct, or yeah. So I just wanted to see what it was like. I'll probably get more of, more of those treatments done. Um, and that's it. I think that's it. I know I said I thought that was it 10 minutes ago. Well, I'm we're a big sure fan that's of it. heel lights. Yeah. So yeah. Oh, yeah, I get those. any opportunity I get work and I'm yeah. guessing in your clinics you'll yeah. jump on. Yeah, absolutely. And um, my partner bought a little one for home, so oh, I've a, got a, the, a little LED light. I've got the Omnilux face mask at home. Oh, is it good? Just, again, it's one of those things where if you're using it regularly, you don't need to see any difference. You yeah. just, you know, your skin looks good. Yeah. But, you know, I'm doing so many other things. So how do you yeah. tease out, was it the light? Yeah. But I certainly like it. I, I enjoy the was experience of the heel light. How much did it cost uh, you? Well, look, I was lucky to get it the mask cost price. It was probably for retail, maybe 500 Okay. Um, you know, and this is a bit anecdote, but I think the intensity of the light is probably, well, certainly less than the one in yeah. clinic, but you can use it as, you know, as frequently as you want right. at home. Okay. You know, do the, do the washing up with it on. Yeah. So you don't have to think about it. Yeah. Whereas for a heel light, it's kind of, you've got to go there, lie down, and then yeah. you get sort of kicked out the room, don't you? So yeah, it's right. different. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, and what's the other thing? I'm on HRT too, but I don't know if that's a cosmetic treatment. Well, you know, you might have noticed some aesthetic change or yeah. improvement in skin. Or... Oh, for sure. Um, so I... Well, firstly, why are you on it? That might seem uh, weird Well, I was going through a really stressful period of my life um, and just feeling tired, low energy, mood swings a little bit. 
um, not sleeping as good as I used to. And I thought, I just got to go and talk, just go and get a blood test. Like there's something not right here. Mm. So I went and got a um, blood work done with um, Dr. Vinny Singh, who we've had on the podcast before. And that's how I met him. And eventually we got him on to have a chat, um, getting my hormone levels looked at. And mm-hmm. yeah, my testosterone was like low. Um, and that can happen through stress. It obviously diminishes with age, you know, I exercise quite a lot too, and mm. that can all impact it. And so we did a couple of blood tests and sort of said I could benefit from um, just some mild uh, HRT, which is like basically testosterone mm-hmm. um, to try and get me up to. So I wasn't looking for, you know, super physiological levels or entering into bodybuilding competitions or anything like (laughs) that. Um, It was more just how can we get it to a level that it would have likely been at when, when I was in my mid to late Mm twenties. So I get blood work done every three months just to sort of keep an eye on like, you know, testosterone, estrogen, progesterone, um, and just make sure that everything's, you know, looking okay. But I've noticed big differences just in my ability to recover from, from training sessions, sleep, um, more stable moods, I think. Um, apart from when you talk to me on WhatsApp, I just, part <laughs> of me giving you shit on WhatsApp is just my own entertainment yeah. because I know that you bite and I think you do the same as well. And yeah. it's just a constant G up, um, which is funny, but, um, no, I think, um, definitely notice improvements, you know, a little bit leaner, um, easier to put on like lean muscle again, which was starting to get a little bit harder mm-hmm. and starting to see the ratio of like lean muscle mass to fat was starting to go in, in uh, a ratio that I wasn't totally happy with. So, <laughs> right. so definitely noticed that that's helped. Um, but it's something you just got to keep an eye on in terms of, you know, if you go over like any t- too much of a good thing's not good. Yeah. Um, and Hence you want to be managed by a doctor. Correct. Yeah. So it's not like I'm, it's not like I'm buying, you know, stuff at the, at the gym from, from some bro um, <laughs> who tells me this is the good stuff. And yeah. no, so I do it under, under doctor supervision. I found it really, really beneficial because I am 40, 41 now. And, um, you know, your hormones do decline as you age. So it's something mm. I've sort of chosen and I've recommended a few friends. I've got a, a mate that's a, a long distance runner who's a bit older than me. And I was noticing, you know, he was, you know, struggling with some, um, you know, just with life a little bit and stressful situations and, and sort of emotionally, I think, uh, finding certain situations more difficult to deal with than previously. And mm. um, I've sent him off to, to get some work done and um, he's about to get started on a, on a similar sort of protocol. So I think that it's starting to become more popular. Yeah, it's sort of you verge, just manage well, it, it's yeah. not verging. It is the anti-aging sort of yeah allied but outside aesthetic yeah sort of treatment i guess yeah so it's just about keeping an eye on it and you know making sure you're doing it under supervision you're not just uh doing it off bro science or yeah listening to some definitely don't yeah. um recommend anything like that no not at all but i think that's i think that's it for me i think so, yeah. what about any other surgeries um never had lipo ever had um oh. no Nothing else. No, but that's still a pretty exhaustive list. I've had fair I've enough. Had stuff. Uh, yeah, I've had no surgery just for full disclosure. Not yet. <laughs> maybe, maybe I will one day. Yeah. Um, no, that's it. Um, I think we've done it to death. I think we've done it to death. Yeah. All right. Well, anyway, we thought we would be uh, candid. Yeah, candid. You know, we, we, we sort of talk about patients and techniques and procedures and yet you know if, I, I think as an injector or, or even a clinic owner if you don't buy into what you're doing yeah but it actually becomes obvious that you you don't really you're disingenuous yeah it's yeah. disingenuous and you're selling rather than 
healing or, Promo- treating. or promoting something that you believe in and you've seen the benefits from and you can talk from personal experience. I think that's important. You have to, you have to believe in what you're doing, I think. And I think that comes down to, you know, just choosing a career that you're passionate about. Yeah. And, and you know, your lip example was kind of funny, but <laughs> good. Like if you haven't experienced fairly significant downtime yeah. or a result that wasn't, perfect straight away yeah then of course when a patient comes and and complains about it if you've never gone through that you're going to be unempathetic well also understanding um just even from a male perspective you know even though cosmetic treatments are seen as acceptable i don't know whether or not a man getting his lips done is something that everyone would just go oh that's normal yeah i think it's still a little bit that's more classified oh, yeah. as, a, as a feminine treatment correct yeah so for me it gave me empathy to like other men that you know may not be interested in having like huge obvious lips but just want to you know help improve that area subtly yeah gave me some appreciation for the fact that it's you know you're going to get teased by your girlfriend i've actually <laughs> done my lips once i totally forgot oh, um, yeah. similar for you I, I didn't have any specific concerns just slightly thinner compared yeah. to when i was in my 20s and i actually really did it to to, to experience yeah it to see what filler feels like fresh in the lip. What, what, what are these lumps that people sometimes yeah. complain of? You know, do I bruise? And if I do, how long does it take to resolve? And, and of course the yep. swelling, what does that mm-hmm. feel like? Yeah. I've got to say, I didn't feel any of those. Yeah, I didn't right. significantly swell. I didn't bruise. I like the result and I've not felt the need to do it since. Who so, did it for you? Uh, Lisa Rush. Okay. That was quite a while ago now, at least three years ago. And she's got her own business now in Wallara. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, there you go. So, um, yeah, but, you know, I, I think, you know, it, it, don't don't be a disingenuous injector. Buy yeah. into it, do it. I do know injectors who haven't done filler. It's really interesting. Well, yeah. They're still kind of personally scared of it, but happily to inject people. Well, yeah, well, I've had people apply for roles with me, nurses and doctors who've come from, you know, traditional medis- medical backgrounds or nursing backgrounds, and they want to get into the industry and you can – kind of see that, you know, they're not, you know, this is not You can say it. <laughs> well, you can see they've never, you can, you can tell that they probably haven't had treatment done before. They're not before. looking the look. They're not, they're not sort of buying into, and I'm not saying that everyone that has to inject has to go and get copious amounts of treatment done. I just think that if you're going to potentially sell this and, and convince patients and educate them on the fact that this might be something that's worthwhile for them considering, I kind of feel like you need to have experienced it and and be of a similar mindset. I don't know. That sounds silly. Maybe it's completely no, ridiculous. Well, look, m- maybe because it's non-essential. Yeah, I can understand. I remember I had a dentist in the UK. He's never cleaned his teeth. <laughs> he had the shittest teeth. They were crooked, <laughs> yellow, just didn't look yeah. nice. And yet, you know, he's telling you, yeah, you need to do these things for your teeth. And and joking aside, I always thought every time I saw him, I was like, why don't you do it? Yeah, it it, it, it kind of. In the back of my mind, I, I had less trust for him. Yeah. Well, you know, not wanting to fat shame or anything, but it'd be like taking advice on health and fitness from a fat personal trainer. Yeah. You know, like, and... You know, and there are reasons why yes, people are overweight. Of course, of course. It makes it more difficult to sort of accept and believe what someone's saying if they're not practicing it themselves or it yeah. appears that they're not. Yeah. And so not a hard and fast rule, but, you know, and I think that's when you have to have some of those... Um, awkward conversations with people and say, well, why are you in this industry? Like, why are you applying for this role? Is it because you're sick of what you're doing and you don't know what else you want to do? Have you heard you can make a lot of money and you want to be like, you know, the next Insta famous person and that's what's driving you? Which let's be honest, are very common reasons. Yeah. Or 
do you really believe in what you're doing? Do you really buy into it? You have the treatments yourself. You can talk from a place of experience and, and sort of, you know, personal stories and, and how it's impacted you. And I think that when you're not genuinely um, in love with something that you're doing, people can tell. Yeah. And also there's the opposite where you can scare people off if you look too too. Well, that's, it's a fine line, isn't it? You sort of go, <laughs> yeah. oh my God, I do not want to look like that. Yeah. And, and, and yeah. that is a genuine concern that I hear yeah. from patients that yeah. I walked into this clinic and I looked at this person and I just yeah. thought, nah. Yeah. And getting back to the personal trainer example, if you were like to get a training session from someone that looks like, you know, they have testosterone for breakfast and they don't look human anymore, you might go, well, not I don't really think that's thing. really the, you know, that's not really in, you know, inspiring me um, to want to look after me. That looks over the top and yeah. I don't want to look like that. So yeah. it's it's a it's a fine line, I think. Between, there are horses for courses. Yeah, absolutely. Just pick whoever is your aesthetic Yeah, and have candid chats about what they've done. Yeah. And, you know, have a build a relationship with that injector yeah. or that patient. So, God, we've been very honest and open about, well, I have about all my... <laughs> <laughs> I haven't held anything back. You've just done more. I've done more than you. Oh, there you go. I'm Fair enough. More, more, more out there. <laughs> Perfect. Well, guys, uh, thank you for your time again. Yeah, we'll be great. back next week. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, hopefully, the next time that we chat, things will be even more back to normal. Hopefully, the uh, the peak of all these infections will have started to decline and. Maybe we're getting back to some kind yeah, of normality. That's what they're saying. We'll see. In the next few weeks, even it could be the peak and then a tailing off. So, yep. hope you guys are safe and well. Yeah. And we'll see you in the next episode. See you guys. Cheers. For our latest news, upcoming guests, and episode topics, follow us on Instagram at Inside Aesthetics Podcast. Using the link in our Instagram profile, you can easily email us, text us, apply to be a guest on the show, follow our personal accounts on Instagram, and even show your love and support us on Patreon. 